Happy fourth week of Advent. Of course, we are two-thirds done already with this fourth week of Advent uh, as we begin the wonderful season of Christmas this evening. As we gather this day, our church gives us uh, beautiful readings to reflect on, and there's a particular theme in all the readings if we're paying attention, and that is the theme of promise. If we take a moment to reflect on today's first reading, David says, uh, here I am living in a house of luxury, and the Lord is, the, the Ark of the Covenant is only in a meeting tent. Uh, we need to build a temple, and, and Nathan initially saying yes, but then going back and saying no. God has said he will build you a house, not a physical house, but a house of uh, power, a house of lineage that God will raise up kings and his successors, and somebody from his, his line, from his house, will sit on the throne forever. That promise. But also promises that his son, David's son, will build a house of the Lord, the temple. And so David relies on that promise, but he doesn't just simply sit back and say, okay, well, it's all taken care of. Rather, he lays up provisions for the temple. He makes sure there's a forest planted for the the cedars and and all the wood that they need, and he begins the process of excavating and and quarrying rock and all those things, uh, gathering gold and, and wealth that the temple can be built. He doesn't just simply sit by, but rather relies on that promise and does what's needed. And the promise that we hear in today's second reading of God being with us and saving us. And today... In this gospel passage, it's a passage we, we reflected on just a few weeks ago as we gathered for the uh, solemnity of the Immaculate Conception, when we remember, of course, the, the beginning of the Blessed Mother's life from that first moment, how she was preserved by a singular act of grace. And while it is not this gospel passage, it's not about her conception, but rather another conception, it is, it displays certainly the Immaculate Conception's effects, that the Blessed Mother is filled with grace. But here, unless we are not paying attention, we see promise after promise after promise starting to be fulfilled. We have the angel coming, sent from God, to Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to Joseph, a promise, betrothal, of the house of David, and again, how this house of David, the one to be born, is going to sit on that throne, and the virgin's name is Mary. And we hear the angel saying, Hail, full of grace, and as I said just a few weeks ago, and we had this gospel passage to reflect on uh, this week during our daily Mass, and we'll have it reflected on again on the Feast of the uh, Annunciation. Full of grace, this is a hard concept to, to translate. And the one, the, 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 it gets really wordy, but the one on whom all God's favor has been poured. The, the one through, who has all access to all graces. And in a way that grace wasn't t- typically available, it wasn't available because it had not been given by Christ through his death and resurrection. But because God stands out of time, here she is full of grace. The Lord is with her, and she's troubled by this. 
And maybe we know this, but it's not typical that we see angels. A while ago, a long while ago, I was asked, well, what does it mean if I see angels? And they said it means one of two things. And it sounds a little facetious, but it's true. One is God has a big plan for you, so he's sending an angel to, to tell you what that plan is. Or two, you're dead. There's no in-between. Because we don't see angels, typically. But the Blessed Mother sees this angel, she receives this greeting, and this odd kind of greeting, and she in her humility probably didn't fully understand what it meant, and the angel affirming her, calming her, do not be afraid, you found favor with God. And he lays out God's plan, God's promise. If you remember back to the very first promise that our Lord made, even while he was casting out Adam and Eve from the garden, as he was cursing the snake, the serpent. He promised that someone would come and crush the head of the serpent, a progeny, a son, a child of the mother. And now this mother stands before the angel, receiving that promise. You shall name him Jesus, which means God saves. He will be great, will be, receive the throne of David his father, But Mary says, how can this be, since I have no relations with a man? See, there was another promise that was made. St. Anne and St. Joachim, the Blessed Mother's parents, had given her, committed her to service to the Lord, and she had given herself an vow of perpetual chastity to the Lord. That she said that she would be a virgin for her entire life. How can I keep this promise and be mother too, is what she's asking. How can I keep the promise that I would be a virgin And say yes. And the angel responds in words that we might not fully understand, words that have power even if we don't fully understand. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For those steeped in Old Testament imagery, for those who are aware of Jewish customs and teachings and traditions, those things that are passed down through the the rabbis, the Blessed Mother, would have heard this this with very different ears. See, there was a promise that the Ark of the Covenant would be revealed and God's power would come upon that Ark of the Covenant and would overshadow that Ark of the Covenant. It was something that had happened when the temple was finished, when they brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, into the Holy of Holies, God's glory settled on that Ark of the Covenant, so much so that it was thick, that you could feel the presence of God there like smoke. You could feel it. This weightiness of God, this overshadowing. It's a Jewish concept called, if I'm pronouncing it right, Shekinah. God's glory will come upon the Ark of the Covenant. And here, the angel promising that God's glory will come upon her and overshadow her. St. Bernard of Clairvaux tells us that at this moment, all of creation waited her answer. All of creation holds its breath, waiting. It all hinges on this one moment. There are a few moments that are as life-changing, as uh, paradigm-changing, perhaps, or uh, that, that can have the, the power to change the entire world, And this is one of them. And she responds after she receives 
a word of Elizabeth, she responds, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. And that, uh, to give a little English lesson or modern uh, language lesson, it's one of my favorite things to reflect on. In most modern languages, we have only two voices. Either we're active, we did something, or passive, something was done to us. I threw the ball, or the ball was thrown to me. And if we read it in that light, this seems rather passive. Okay, let it be done. It's done. But rather, in Greek, there's another voice, and it's called the middle voice. And it's a hard concept to understand but it's, uh, the, the, because it gets so wordy. But you are going to do the work. Let the Lord do the work to me, and I will cooperate with that work. But he's doing the work. Let it be done to me. She relies on the promises that the Lord has given. In fact, we hear that word promise according to your word. There's a number of, of words in, in Greek that, that can be translated as word. I know I'm using word a lot, but hang with me. We have logos that we'll hear actually tomorrow at, uh, at the Mass of, of the day. In the beginning was a word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That logos can be translated with reason or, or whatever. But we have this word here. And this word could, is word, but it's also promise or plan. Let it be done to me according to your promises. I will cooperate with those promises. And I think there's something beautiful here for us because we know that our Lord has given promises to us. He promises that he would be with us. He promises that he would save us. He promised that even the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He promises so many great and wonderful things. And sometimes we reduce those promises to wealth and health. That's not what he promises. He promises salvation, eternal health, yes. He promises grace, those spiritual wealth, that spiritual riches. As I said in, on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception, that word that we have, hailed full of grace, is used of the church too. Because we as the church have access to all the gifts, all the promises, all the great things that our Lord has given us as a church. Do we rely on those promises? If you remember back the first week of Advent, I invited us to invite St. Joseph to travel with us, to journey with us, in the second week, I invited St. Mary, the Blessed Mother. Last week, it was St. John uh, the Baptist. This week, I can think of no one better than Gabriel himself. Yes, he's not going to come to us and give us a tremendous mission. He's not going to wait for this life-changing, although it's life-changing for us, this world-changing decision. But his very name implies something. It's something that we don't often talk about, perhaps. But with the archangels, all their names mean something powerful. And Gabriel means, God is my strength. As he's giving the message to Zechariah, he was, by his very name, telling Zechariah, God will be your strength, too. As he was standing before the Blessed Mother, awaiting her answer, he was telling her, God will be your strength. And as he came before St. Joseph in a dream, according to Matthew's Gospel, he was his very name, telling Joseph, God will be your strength. 
he would remind us this day, God will be our strength. We need to rely on his promises, the promises of eternity, the promises of good and holy things, access to all grace, and perhaps to reflect this day. As important as Christmas is, that's when Christ is revealed to us, born a child for us. But it was in the Annunciation, in Mary's fiat, in her yes, let it be done to me, that the Word became flesh, The Word became incarnate at that moment. As we gather this day, we know that our Lord has made tremendous promise to us. He promises a Savior. And so long ago, He gave us that Savior. He promised us salvation through that Savior. And we wait that promise of His return, the promise of eternity with Him. And with St. Gabriel, we ask God to be our strength.